North Carolina rebounded with a 15-point win over Virginia Tech on Saturday. And you know what was really neat? Boy, did that feel like a Roy Williams era victory. You are Locked on Tar Heels, your daily podcast on the UNC Tar Heels. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, it's Monday, February 19th, 2024. Welcome into the Locked on Tar Heels podcast, the only daily North Carolina show out there. I'm your host, Isaac Shade, and I want to thank you for joining us to get your Carolina content every single day. Big welcome in particular to you everydayers out there. We're so glad you're here. If you're a guest of the show, welcome in. Come join us in the Locked on Tar Heels Discord community. This episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. That's why LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. Post your job for free right now at linkedin.com slash locked on college. Terms and conditions apply. All right, guys, uh, you can hear it. I apologize for my voice. Uh, It has been a long weekend and I've been trying to do everything I can to try and get my voice ready to record, but no days off. We're rolling. We're doing this thing. So thanks for being here and thanks for your patience with my voice. Uh, I feel like I'm ready to sing Smelly Cat and uh, for Phoebe Buffet. There you go. So North Carolina beats Virginia Tech on Saturday, 96 to 81. Runs their record to 20 and 6 overall, 12 and 3 in ACC play. As the time I record this, the Tar Heels are 10th at Ken Palm, 17th in offensive efficiency, and 14th in defensive efficiency. At Sunday's net refresh, they moved up to 9th in the country. Interestingly, Saturday, as you are probably aware, there was a top 16 reveal from the NCAA selection committee, and Carolina was fifth overall, the, the top number two seed. We're going to unpack more of the conversation about that on tomorrow's show Tuesday. So make sure you're tuned in for that. Uh, As we dive in, I'm actually recording as the women are playing basketball at Wake Forest on Sunday evening with a minute to go in the first quarter. Carolina's up 20 to six. So uh, I'll keep you apprised of where that's at, but figured playing at Wake Forest, things are going to be in good shape. (laughs) All right, let's get into the game. Here's where I want to go. I needed to see Carolina attack this basketball game against Virginia Tech. You're at home. You're coming off a stretch in which you've gone two and three. It's the last game before a break. And so you feel like, all right, let's drain our tanks in this game. And that's exactly what Carolina did. I thought from the get-go, they attacked and they were ready. I know that that Virginia Tech got out to a 5 nothing lead. But Carolina responded on a 10-0 kill shot run. A kill shot is when you get a run of 10-0 or more. And after taking that lead, basically, you know, uh, from that kill shot, never trailed again the rest of the game. So a a basically wire-to-wire victory from the Tar Heels. And here's what I love. This felt to me like a Roy Williams-era victory. And here's what I mean by that. Under Roy Williams, Carolina always, the goal is to go out, utilize your big men to get the opponents in trouble, foul trouble, specifically the bigs, and then just use that to your advantage all game long. So Carolina did that early and often got Virginia Tech in foul trouble early in the first half. All of their front line was struggling and saddled with foul trouble. And so Carolina 
was able to just use and abuse that all game long. And consequently, Virginia Tech had nothing, nothing for Armando Baycott. You think my voice is reduced today? Virginia Tech had less in the paint to stop Armando Baycott. He basically did anything he wanted, particularly in the second half, because Virginia Tech had to basically ole at the rim and just let him score at will. And so Carolina was able to do what they wanted because they attacked. Remember, there had been the foul. um, Carolina had so few free throw attempts against Syracuse because they kept allowing the zone to entice them into settling for jumpers. Not in this game. Carolina gets 23 free throw attempts. Now, kudos to Virginia Tech. They kept pushing. They kept working to try to get back in the game. But literally every time they did, Carolina was ready with a response. And that that's exactly what you need to see. It's not that you have to always blitz teams, but you do need to be ready when the team comes at you to stop them and push back and be ready. So you love to see that. Now, it did end up evening out at the free throw line. Carolina did have a slight advantage at the free throw line. Um, they wound up, I was, I'm in the wrong box score there. That's the, uh, <laughs> the Syracuse game. Um, Carolina ended up being 19 of 23 at the line while Virginia tech was 18 of 20. So it evened out in the end, but in the first half, when, where the game was decided, listen to the free throw discrepancy, North Carolina was 11 of 13 while Virginia tech was just five of seven. And after the halftime, the game was basically decided and over because Carolina just maintained. So the free throw line getting back there was critical. Uh, you know, Carolina shot more free throws in the first half of this game than they did in the entirety of the, the Syracuse game on Tuesday. So that's what you need to do. Another thing that we were watching for in this one was can Carolina close better, right? The, the last three games, Carolina the last several minutes of the game, turnover prone, not not able to score, those kind of things. How about this one? Closing stretch of the first half, zero turnovers in the final 626. Carolina built as much as a 14-point lead. Virginia Tech, to their credit, again, got it down to five at 251 left before halftime. But then Carolina added six points to the margin heading into the locker room. Second half, zero turnovers in the final 453. They had built a 16-point lead early. Virginia Tech, They, I mean, they got it down to seven, but it never really felt in danger. Um, that was the closest Virginia Tech got in the second half. And then Carolina pushed it back. Um, and when they got it to a 10-point lead with 424 to go, it never dipped back into single digits. So really good by the Tar Heels down the stretch of this game. We've been looking for that close like they've done so much of the season up until recently, and we saw it on Saturday. Now, I know there is going to be some consternation over the defense. Virginia Tech scored 81 points for the game. They scored 1.141 points per possession. And so you look at that and say, well, I mean, that's not all that great defense. I would like to push back on that to anybody who is sad or upset or disappointed in the defense. Let me say three specific things. In addition to just the fact that Virginia tech is a really good offensive basketball team, their issues all season have been more on the defensive side uh, of the game. And Carolina knew that coming in. So three things I want to push back on um, being concerned about the defense. Number one, Carolina forced 
someone other than Hunter Couture and Sean Padula to beat them. Couture and Padula are Virginia Tech's two leading scorers, 14 and 15 plus points a game. And to Virginia Tech's credit, a couple other people other than those guys were able to step up. MJ Collins, our guy Tyler Nickel, who had a really good game. Poteet, Lynn Kidd, they all had really efficient games, all got to double digits. But Carolina was like, we will live with that if we're able to not allow Couture or Padula to beat us. Now, both of these guys got to double-digit scoring, sure. But listen to this. Couture, 11 points, but on 3 of 10 shooting and 1 of 6 from 3. Padula got 10 points, but on 3 of 13 shooting and 0 of 4 from 3. That means combined, your two leading scorers scored 21 points but they needed 23 shots to get there. Six of 23 combined from the field, just one of 10 from three. I mean, both of these guys, Couture came in shooting 42.7% from three. Padula, 35.2. Hit one combined three. Um, and, and multiple different players had good defense on these guys. Cormac Ryan, um, RJ Davis had a nice block on Padula just before half. The, like Everyone was all in. We will not allow these guys to beat us. And that was a critical part of the defensive strategy, I thought. Second reason I would push back on being upset about the defense. Game script allowed Carolina to not have to focus as critically on defense. Here's what I mean. I said the game was decided in the first half as Carolina built out that nice lead. And then in the second half, as long as Carolina was still scoring, they were going to be content to just basically trade baskets. Like, let's not kill ourselves. If Virginia Tech's going to be a wet sieve and 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 let us just score at will, we're great with that because we've already got a double-digit lead. And what was great, it was all because Carolina, again, had gotten them in foul trouble that Virginia Tech, who's already not great defensively, was mitigated even more. So, yes, as I said, Virginia Tech's point per possession was 1.141 for the game. Carolina was over 1.3 points per possession in both halves. Virginia Tech wasn't touching that. Carolina's defense was good enough. And it, it was a situation of really, really good offense beating not quite as good offense. Third reason I would push back on being upset about the defense. Um, yes, as I said, Virginia Tech did catch up to Carolina at the free throw line. You know, Carolina still led that, but it was a very slim margin. More importantly, there was a big change in another statistical area. What kept Virginia Tech in the game for the majority of the first half was the fact that they were 6 of 14 from the three-point line, while Carolina was not shooting very well from deep. In the second half, though, that was where Virginia Tech started getting to the free throw line. But in that half, they were just one of 12 from three. So that number cratered after halftime. And that one that they made was a meaningless Tyler Nickel three with 42 seconds left in the game. I will take that all day long. So I, I understand um, some perhaps disappointment in the defensive performance, but I thought it was everything Carolina needed to do in this specific game. Now, a big part, a big key in Carolina's win was the bench, which provided critical support to the starters, helping Carolina grab the win. I've got that plus the rest of the Four Corners recap and the shady stat of the game, all coming up in just a second. Right after I tell you that this episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. 
When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you got to check out LinkedIn Jobs, which has the right tools to help you find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. It's not just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, making it the best place to hire and give you access to professionals you can't find anywhere else. LinkedIn does all that while making the process easy and intuitive. Hiring is really easy when you get that many quality candidates. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within just 24 hours. LinkedIn is constantly finding ways to make the process easier. They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making it even more efficient. 2.5 small, 2.5 million small businesses use LinkedIn for hiring. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. Again, linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All right, here we go. Four Corners recap and shady stat of the game. Number one in our Four Corners recap. I mean, we've been looking hard at getting more bench production from Carolina, both in terms of bench usage, minutes played, and in terms of actual production. And it's not just points. It's assists and steals and blocks and other things like this. And the Tar Heel bench delivered a really nice performance in this game. In totality, the guys scored 15 points coming from a host uh, of different Tar Heels, but most importantly, or not most importantly, but uh, the the biggest number of that came from Jalen Washington, who had seven points, four from Jalen Withers, and then four also from Seth Tremble, and that's that's really what you need. Critically, those three guys will take what you can get from Paxson Wojcik and Zayden High when they get in the game, uh, but it's really the Jalens and Seth that Carolina needs those key contributions from. But most critically, beyond the scoring, what this meant for the Tar Heels is that in a game where Carolina is, is just kind of, you know, coming into this big break that they've got ahead of them, no starter played more than 36 minutes. Um, that was Harrison Ingram had 36, RJ 35, 32 for Cormac Ryan, 30 for Armando and 23 from Elliot Cadeau. That's such a big, and I know it doesn't seem like a big difference between 35 minutes and 39 minutes from RJ, but it is. Um, and, and every minute you can steal is another minute off his legs to help for the stretch run when you might want RJ to play 40 minutes or 39, you know what I mean? And so this is big time and helps already start that recovery process ahead of this week. Remember, this is just Seth's second game back and against Syracuse, you know, not fully really ready to go yet. This was more his game, his typical minutes, 21 minutes played. He was plus 12 when he was in the game. Critically, had four assists and zero turnovers. Really, really nice performance from Seth. Both Jalen's had a solid game. 19 combined minutes for them, five of eight on field goals. That's about, you know, that's almost like you played seven guys a total of 19 or more minutes. That's what you're getting from the Jalen's there. And that's that's about good for Carolina. I'd take a couple more minutes out of the Jalen's, but this is definitely back in the right direction. Jalen Washington, I said, had seven points and had three field goals. I think all three of them were dunks. You'll take that. He also had a block, had an offensive rebound. Jalen Withers, four points, had a block, um, two steals. They were both little pokeaways from behind. Really good stuff from Jalen Withers there. He Speaking of dunks, he had a monster duck lined up and almost threw it down too hard, and it, and it went caroming off. So 
Um, tough one there for Jay Witt. But bench production trending in the right direction in this game. Number two in our four corners recap was assist percentage. You know, this is a number I look at a good bit of how is Carolina not only sharing the basketball, but finishing after a share. <laughs> Tar Heels on this game assisted on 18 of their 35 made field goals. That's 51.4%, meaning that the Tar Heels now in six straight games have been over 50% on assist rate. Where does that rank in the Hubert Davis era? The longest streak is seven straight games over 50%. And um, they the, the second longest was five, which they had tied. So Carolina trending in the right direction with this as well. What I also love is that the six main contributors, the five starters and Seth Trimble, all had at least one assist. And all three of the main backcourt players, meaning RJ Davis, Elliot Cadeau, and Seth Trimble, each had at least four assists in this game. Great job sharing the basketball. Carolina is doing the right things here. Number three in our four corners recap is rebounding. We had talked coming in on Friday's episode as we prepared for this game that the Tar Heels had a big statistical advantage on paper. Carolina is one of the best rebounding teams, not only in the ACC, but in the nation. And Virginia Tech is on the opposite end of the spectrum. Carolina is really good on the glass. Virginia Tech is really not good on the glass. But you got to go out and do it. And here's the great news. Carolina did just that, winning the rebounding battle 43-31. to 31. That's now 15 straight games in which they have won the rebounding battle. There were, of those 43 rebounds, 14 of them were on the offensive glass. Mond, Armando Baycott and Harrison Ingram combined for nine, four for Mondo, five for Harrison, one each from Cormac, RJ, and the Jalen. So great work getting on the offensive glass, getting those second chance um, opportunities. And for the game, Carolina finished with 17 second chance points. You'll take that all day long. Um, and by the way, I said 14 offensive rebounds. That's three straight games with 13 or more offensive rebounds. Really good job on the offensive glass. Teams are going to have to start figuring out uh, how to keep Carolina off of that, although I'd prefer that they did it. <laughs> Fourth in the four corners recap. Okay, Cormac Ryan is heating up from deep, baby. Last three games, Cormac Ryan has had at least two made threes, including four in each of the last two games. He is 10 of 21 in that stretch. That's 47.6% from three. I'm just saying, watch out, because we've been talking about it. If Cormac Ryan can get going at the same time as RJ and Harrison and everyone else, and I know Harrison didn't hit a three in this game, but man, it just takes Carolina's ceiling up another notch. And Elliot Cadeau didn't hit a three in this game, but you know he's knocked down a couple lately as well. Carolina could be heating up from outside. Also, Cormac, four of four from the free throw line, had two boards, two assists, zero turnovers, and a block and a steal. He also played, uh, did a critical job, particularly in the first half, in helping Carolina's defense hold down Couture. And so, um, really good all around game from Cormac Ryan yet again. All right, shady stat of the game points in the paint. This is, you know, talking about this being a, a Roy Williams era victory. Remember Tuesday's loss at Syracuse. Carolina was tied with Syracuse, points in the paint, 32. And it's like, oh, okay, that's good. We tied. No, it's not. In the first game against Syracuse, when Carolina blitzed them, the Tar Heels had 58 points in the paint to Syracuse's 32. That's what we're talking about. Carolina, <clears throat> 
you, you whether it's through post play or attacking the rim through dribble drive, you want to win the points in the paint game in and game out. So I was really curious, how would Carolina respond to tying Syracuse on Tuesday night? Well, if this reminds you of a Roy Williams era win, here's why the stats sure do show it. Carolina wins the points in the paint battle 54 to 36 in this one. Great job, Tar Heels. Again, this is Armando Baycott going batty. This is, you see the free throw numbers going up. That's because Carolina attacked the rim instead of settling. Great stuff, winning points in the paint. Speaking of Armando Baycott, what a performance, particularly in the second half in this game. And he continues to etch his name amongst the ACC legends. I'll give you that, an ACC standings update, and a weekend whip around where Carolina Athletics, Woo, what a weekend. We'll talk about all that in just a second. Right after I tell you that this episode is brought to you by FanDuel. North Carolina, the wait is almost over. FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, is coming to the Tar Heel State. On March 11th, you'll finally be able to bet on all your favorite teams in all your favorite sports. With FanDuel, there's tons of ways for you to get on the action. You can bet on everything from the money line to over-unders to which team is going to win the second tobacco road rivalry of the year. All of this on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, with live betting, you can even pick which player is going to put up the next bucket or the one after that. See for yourself why FanDuel is America's number one sportsbook. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on so you can be the first to know when FanDuel goes live in North Carolina. Again, that's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel. I want to hit on a couple more individual performances from this game, and we're going to start with Armando Baycott who was the dude, 25 points, 12 rebounds, really efficient game from Armando in this one, did it on 11 of 16 shooting, three of three from the free throw line, that carries on as well. But second half in particular, Armando had 19 of his 25 points, was eight of 11 from the floor, and all three of those free throws were in the second half. Nine of his rebounds were in the second half, just a great all-around performance from Armando. Again getting um, uh, Virginia Tech into foul trouble. It wasn't just Armando. It, it was a whole host of Tar Heels, but then taking advantage of it in the second half in particular. This is now five straight double-doubles for Armando, extending his longest streak of the season. Three of these have been of the variety where it's at least 20 points and at least 10 rebounds. So really good stuff from Armando. This is his 13th double-double of the year, 81st of his career. That means he is just a few behind Tim Duncan's 87 and Ralph Sampson's 84 in the all-time ACC lead. Speaking of the ACC, Armando moves into second in ACC history, all-time rebounding. He now has 1603, moved past Mr. Shavlik, who had 1598. So great stuff there from Armando, who just carries continues to kind of redefine his season here in the back half. So we'll keep an eye on how that goes moving forward. Harrison Ingram had a double-double himself. This is now back-to-back -back games where both guys had double-doubles. His uh, was more heavy on the rebounds, 12 points, 17 boards for Harrison. Interestingly, didn't make a three in this game. He had a streak coming in of six straight where he had made multiple threes. He's trying to be RJ apparently. And unfortunately that was broken. Wasn't a great shooting day for Harrison but obviously affected the game as he always does in a multitude of other ways. Speaking of RJ, 
I don't know how quiet a 20 point performance could be, but it really felt like this for RJ. What I love, you know, we've talked about teams honing in on stopping RJ more and he's pretty content to just let the team get going. And then he takes off when he needs to, you know, it, he had these 20 points, but it didn't come in bunches early. I think he had like three points for a while. And then late in the first half, man, he just went on this scoring spree. That was incredible. <laughs> Most importantly, uh, you know, we've talked about the, the recent split from his three point shooting being really strong field goal percentage and his two point, not he was three of five from two in this game. So I like that because um, higher percentage, obviously that 60%, but with fewer attempts, I don't mind more attempts, but, um, you know, it, it's, it's better attempts, more efficient attempts, getting to the rim, those kind of things. Um, RJ did keep his streak of multiple threes going. He was three of eight. That's now 23 straight games with multiple three pointers made. He's made at least one, three in all 26 games. He's now made 82 on the season looking like, uh, he's well on his way to being the second ever Tar Heel to shoot or to make a hundred threes in a season. Also critically on a day where Elliot had a few turnover issues, you know, four assists, but five turnovers, RJ had five assists and just two turnovers. That's the beauty of having two point guards in your starting lineup. How, speaking of Elliot Davis, <laughs> Elliot Davis, Elliot Cadeau. Yes. Five turnovers. Let's, let's say that, admit it and move on from it because <clears throat> On a day where Armando Baycott is the most dominant player in the game. On a day where RJ Davis also gets to 20. On a day when Harrison Ingram has another double-double. It was none of them that had the highest plus-minus. That was Elliot Cadeau, who had a, pl uh, a plus-minus of plus 19. That's how impactful this young man is, and did so in only 23 minutes on the floor. So... I. You know, I think for those who want to dwell on the turnovers, it's like he's already that impactful. Just think how much more it can be when that doesn't happen. Speaking of which, I've been um, harping on Elliot to stop using his right hand on, a, on the left side of the rim. And you noticed first half of this game, about seven and a half minutes left. Elliot probes the defense, goes to the right, comes back around. Um, I think it was uh, uh, Armando did a nice job sealing, which he did, man multiple times in this game. Shout out to Armando for that, by the way. But Elliot gets to the left side of the rim, finishes with his left. Well done, young man. Proud of you for that. All right, let's get an update on the ACC standings. Because I had mentioned already Carolina had already clinched no worse than 12th in the ACC tournament, the 12th seed. Now they have clinched no worse than ninth. The worst Carolina could finish is 12 and 8. And I mean, that's only if they go 0-5 the rest of the way, which is not going to happen. But now Miami has nine losses. Virginia Tech and Boston College both have eight, and Carolina holds the tiebreaker over them. The only one that has eight losses um, is Syracuse. Carol or that, that Carolina doesn't hold the tiebreaker over Syracuse, and that's because they split. Carolina might hold the tiebreaker over them, but the next level of tiebreaker after a head-to-head, -head, we won't know the result of until the end of the season. But I mean, ultimately, that's probably not going to matter. But all this to say, why is this important that Carolina can finish no worse than ninth? Because that means they have now clinched a first round bye in the ACC tournament. Obviously, that your work is not done. You want to keep going, but you already know that you will not start on Tuesday. Carolina, at worst, will start play on Wednesday. All right, weekend wrap up for the rest of Carolina athletics where it's been a great weekend. I mean, a great 
great weekend. Let me update you on the women's basketball score in real time. It's just gone to halftime. Tar Heels lead 31 to 20 at Wake Forest. So looking good there. Remember the ladies beat Pitt on Thursday. So we can have a little bit of a winning streak going here. Um, baseball opening weekend sweep over Wagner. Listen to these scores. 10 to 3 on Friday, 16 to 5 on Saturday, and 20 to 6 on Sunday. I know it's like Wagner, whatever. Baseball is a game where any team can beat any team just randomly, you know, and so great to start off with that. Stay on the diamond where softball, we were expecting five games, four against ranked opponents. It was cut short, unfortunately, by weather at the Shriners Children's Clearwater Classic. Um, Carolina, we'd already talked about, lost to Kentucky on Thursday, came back and beat UCF uh, two to one on Saturday, on Friday, excuse me. And then the rest of the games were um, rained out. Uh, number three, Texas on Saturday, number six, Washington on Sunday, and 20, UCLA on Sunday. That's a bummer because you'd love to measure where you're at against some of the elite teams in the nation. Wrestling won at Virginia on Friday, 18 to 16. Great stuff there. Both lacrosse teams won. Women beat number 12, Florida, 19 to 10. Men won against Fairfield, 19 to 8. Gymnastics beat Pitt on Friday night, 196.650 to 196.125. So just great stuff happening all around Carolina athletics. All right, coming up on tomorrow's show, I'm going to talk more with you about the top 16 reveal, what it says about what the committee thinks about Carolina, look ahead a little bit, talk about some potential arena changes that we heard about last week, all of that and more tomorrow. It's going to be a great conversation. <laughs> want to thank you so much for tuning in. want to thank you for bearing with me, even with my voice sounding like it does. Hopefully it'll get better as the week goes on, but we'll see how that goes. If you're not part of the Locked on Tar Heels Discord community, would encourage you to come join us there. It's free to subscribe. The link is in the show notes. If you're not subscribed to the show, please do so on audio and video formats. If you're watching, smash the like button so we know you are here as well. Always a great day to be a Tar Heel. We'll be right back with you tomorrow. But until then, peace. Peace.